You're off the edge of the map, mate. Here, there'd be monsters. You're listening to Malcolm Benji's podcast. Find us at malcolmbenji.blogspot.com. Hello and welcome to Malk and Benji's podcast. I'm Malk. And I'm Benji. It's been a very long time since our last podcast. Far too long. And to our fan, I can only apologise. <laughs> uh, to any, you know, casual or, or new listeners, um, hopefully it will not be as long before our next podcast. Um, but but there we go. It, it's been a while. Yeah. Life gets in the way. Um, until we get paid to do this, that's going to happen, I'm afraid. But here we are now. Ready hint, to podcast. Hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but here we are now, and uh, and ready to, to cast that pod out into the world of movies yeah. and see what we catch. Absolutely, cast the net. So, um, right. Well, well. I think before we go any further, I would like to issue a, a preemptive apology. Okay. For today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it was two things, but we've already covered the story. It's been so long since the last podcast. Um, the the next hour is going to be pretty brutal uh, to a lot of people. And we don't mean it personally, but you know we're going to get pretty incensed, I think. Uh, and I just really want to say to Hugh Jackman, uh, we're, we're fans. We are. Uh, it might not sound like it for the next hour, um, but uh, yeah, certainly I'm very appreciative of what you do. I, I know Benji is too. I am very much so. Hugh Jackman is a very fine actor. Yeah. Um, just not necessarily very good at choosing his scripts. No. Um, so, I mean, for every one of the things we're about to talk, there's a, a Les Mis or an X-Men 2, but... Uh... There are also the two <laughs> films that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, uh, so... They are the 2004 action horror film Van Helsing, directed and written by Stephen Summers. And uh, the 2009 superhero adaptation X-Men Origins Wolverine. Well, which is it? X-Men, Origins, or Wolverine? It's, oh. it's all of them together? It's all of them. How could they possibly make that an entertaining film? Uh, well, turns out they could. <laughs> Directed by Gavin Hood and written by... I can't remember who wrote it now. Uh, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Um, um, and I, to say it was directed by Gavin Hood is to give the producers who ruined it far more credit than it deserves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to suggest that Gavin Hood is the best filmmaker ever. You know, I, I don't think... Enough of his work has been seen to, to justify that. But certainly, on-set reports and, uh, and and other sort of reports uh, suggest that studio interference is very much to blame for many of the bad yeah. parts of the film. Because that worked so well for Alien Three, Fox and Four, Fox <laughs> and uh, Firefly, Fox. <laughs> yeah, section pattern. <laughs> pattern here, definite pattern here. Right, uh, so the, the fact on. that we're yeah. doing um, uh, two Hugh Jackman films is not uh, the theme. The linking theme for this podcast is not Hugh Jackman. No, it's, uh, a, it's, it's an unhappy coincidence. It is indeed, an unfortunate. Um, what we decided to do uh, early on in the in the sort of the decision making part of this batch of podcasts was we we generally tend to do a lot of films that we quite like or mm-hmm. films that one of us likes that, that we can defend against the other. Um, and we keep asking any of our audience to, to give us uh, suggestions, films you'd like to see, but we don't get an awful lot. Um, we're still uh, holding on for the Godfather box set at some yeah. point, which is a frequent, <laughs> a frequent suggestion. Um, but we thought we'd, uh, we'd pick, rather than films we like or films we respect or admire, we thought we'd pick our least favourite films. 
um, films that subjectively are the worst films ever made. Yeah. Uh, and that's why uh, that's why we're doing those Which two films. Which were settled on these two. So unfortunately for Hugh Jackman, that just happens to be two films that he starred in. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So shall we start with uh, the synopsizing? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so well, I'm not going to run through so much a synopsis of uh, Van Helsing so much as I am um, uh, an overview of the premise, which won't take that long. Um, but for those of you who haven't seen it, and I hope no one's seen it, and when I say, <laughs> when I say spoiler alert, um, mm-hmm. I- I'm going to say it's very difficult to spoil a turd, isn't it? You know it's, what I mean? The film has already been spoiled for everyone by Stephen Summers, Indeed. let's be honest. So, um, um, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so this, this yeah. is us that are most brutal. But here's the, uh, here's the premise for Van yeah. Helsing. It's the late 18. 18- hundreds and uh, Gabriel Van Helsing is a uh, basically a monster hunter uh, in the employ of the Vatican who has no memory of his past um, and he goes from place to place uh, killing monsters and then being framed for the murder of the people who they turn into um, and of course uh, after the sort of prologue where he battles one particularly well-known monster um, who isn't like the monster from the book that it's based on, he's more like the monster from another film that is ripped off blatantly. Uh, he's <laughs> sent on the case by, uh, by uh, Cardinal Alan Armstrong uh, to Transylvania to fight Dracula um, and also the Wolfman and Frankenstein for reasons which should be amazing, but unfortunately which are left terribly unclear um, and muddy and so on and so forth. Uh, he f- meets a, a mysterious, beautiful woman, um, and with him and his little sidekick, they go off and they fight Dracula, and, and so on and so forth. So that's the premise, basically. Um, yeah. If it sounds amazing, it's because it should have been. Yeah. In the long, sad history of great ideas that went south, mm-hmm. this is right up there. Absolutely. This and is, yeah. I just want to launch straight into... Uh, obviously, we need to look at Wolverine first, don't we? Yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll sort of analyse Van Helsing and then move on to Wolverine. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. So I want to launch into, into one of the reasons why this is the worst film ever made. Uh, many of you will have seen um, Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which is objectively possibly the worst film ever made. Uh, many of you will have seen Sharknado, Sharktopus, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Basically, any film involving sharks that isn't Jaws. Yeah. Um, and and realise that and they we're are... including Jaws as 2, 3 and 4 in that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 13. Uh, 19. Oh, yeah, 19. Um, obviously, there are, there are worse filmmakers out there. There are people who don't know how to use a camera, don't know how to frame a shot, don't know how to edit two scenes together. You know, if we're including all film ever made, ever, even the sort of you know, slappy, happy, slap videos on YouTube that got banned. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, Van Helsing is not the objectively worst film ever made. But for me, personally, it's the gulf between what it should have been and what it was. When you look at The Mummy, 1999's The Mummy, written and directed by Stephen Summers, which was kind of like the beginning of his love affair with Universal Monsters... Um, that's Universal, the film company, not not just Universal. Yeah. Uh, you, you see what he could have done. I mean, The Mummy is by no means um, as good as Indiana Jones, but it is not an insult oh. uh, to Indiana Jones to, 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 to lump it in the same category. Yeah, it's, it's not flawless, but it's good fun. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he clearly can make fun, you know, yeah. action films. And then you hear the premise, Stephen Summers yeah. doing a film where you get Van Helsing versus these three classic monsters and blah, blah, blah. And you think... Well, if, you, if that could be as good as The Mummy, this could be one of the most yeah. fun popcorn movies, you know, in many a year. I, I remember driving all my friends and seeing the year, the year leading up to it coming out, mm-hmm. because I was reading about it in magazines and so on, 
And I was so excited because I loved The Mummy. Yeah. And I was like, yes, the guy who's making The Mummy is doing Frankenstein and Wolfman and Dracula. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And then came the news, Wolverine's going to be in it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, and then it ended up being um, what it was, which, you know, we'll get into detail on it later, but it is essentially a turgid... Um, Dreck. mix, uh, yeah, mishmash <laughs> of, of, of half-baked ideas and, and lazy execution. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll kick off then with what we like and what we don't like about, about Van Helsing. Yeah. About Van Helsing, yeah, okay, okay. What I like about Van Helsing is the the basic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, well, <laughs> pr- pretty much the same. I really like. I like Van Helsing himself. I like. Um, I, I can't go as far as to say it's my favourite. Hugh performance or anything like that, or even it's a particular the good one. There's a couple of bit. There's accent wibbles and wobbles, which is partly down to the actor, but also partly down to the director not going cut. Say it again. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, the performance isn't perfect. Yeah, but absolutely. Like the the costume. The, yeah, you Hugh, know, Hugh Jackman is is still a good actor, and, and uh, as much as I hate this film, and as much as I want to rip it to shreds, I genuinely, I genuinely can't fault Hugh all that much. No. Except the point where he read the script and said, yes, I'll do it. That's yeah, the only thing. Yes, that's the... You know, he, he does well mm-hmm. in a poor film. So he he's not to be shamed. And that's not because we love Hugh Jackman, because, you know, I can... I can I, li- I like him more than take him or leave him, but he's not one of my you know top five. Yeah. Um, but he is a very very good actor, and and you know he he does the best work of anyone involved. I would agree. In he, this film, he certainly knows. I, I don't think he knew how bad it was going to turn out to be, but he certainly knows what type of film he's in. He's yeah. not he's not pitching it again. The, the example we keep bringing up was uh, it's William Hurt and the Incredible Hulk. Absolutely, he has no idea that <laughs> that he's in a popcorn movie. You know. Uh-huh. He, uh, Hugh Jackman very much knows kind of how tongue in cheek this movie needs to be. Yes, there's moments of um, brooding, moments of humour, you know, action plus suspense yeah. from him, you know. Um, and, but what I really like about Van Helsing is I love the costume, the hats, the hair, you know, the, the look of him, the aesthetic of him, I mm-hmm. thought was really good. And, that, and that's a. Uh, we watched it today, and there's that that silhouette where he's, he's in the mist with the gun, and the no. hat. you can't even see Hugh's face, but he's coming through. And, uh, that's really exciting to me. I want to jump in there. My, okay. I was making the joke that the only thing I liked was the basic premise, but I agree with that. I like his silhouette. Yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you here on the on the costume. If okay. You don't mind. okay. We'll, we'll just very quickly sort of segue into into dislikes. Um, his look in this film is very much the archetypal monster hunter. Yeah. Um, he looks like Vampire Hunter D. He looks like Solomon Kane. Um, Solomon Kane, absolutely. You know the the sort of the long great coat, the, yeah. the, the, the sort of the, the wide-brimmed hat. It's very much a, a, a tradition of monster hunters. Um, and I think that when the first piece of concept art came out and it showed him in these sort of patched-together leather straps, it looked like he'd been through a lot of business and it was all yeah. brown. Um, it looked phenomenal. It looked really cool. And he had this little um, crossbow pistol kind of thing. And then with the actual making of the, of, the, of the costume and the actual sort of final image of it, it looks too clean. It looks too off the hook. It looks okay. too designed. It's the same problem I have with the, with the costumes from the Star Wars prequels. They've just come off a costume designer's coat hanger and not out of some, you know, Parisian backstreet battle with a monster. Um, and I think, I think that's a problem. He, he looks like he's shopping at, at Burberry and not, you know, dragging his ripped shards of a coat and stitching it back of himself. If you look at Aragorn's costume in Lord of the Rings, yeah. that clearly is a coat that's seen somewhere. 
Very much so, um, yeah. And I think that's lacking in Van Helsing's costume. I agree with you that, that again, the, the idea the behind design, the design yeah, is yeah. superb. Um, but the execution but, yeah. is just, it's too, it's too much like, do you know, I'll tell you actually, between the last podcast that we did, mm-hmm. or the last film podcast that we did, and, and this one, um, I, I've been to Universal Studios in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, uh, and it's amazing, you know, I'm not, I'm not showing off, I don't go on a lot of holidays, but it was a really, really good, um, for any film geeks out there, it's a superb place to go. But when you go on the rides, impressive though they are, they look like that. Yeah. It looks like a ride rather than the world that it's meant to be in. Um, like it's come off a production line, like it's come off, you know, yeah. it, it's new, it's just come out of the wrapper, Hugh Jackman's put it on and he's gone to shoot the scene rather than, you know, Van Helsing's been wearing it for years, fighting monsters. That's that's my, yeah, that's my yeah. side there, my I, side tangent. No, I'll go with you on that, I agree. I, I, um, I, I, yeah, I, I think I really like the, the, des- the design of him, but yeah, I think I agree with the execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down with that. So we we almost had a like there. We did. Well, yeah. we, we still have a like. Yes, we did, the, yeah. the concept art, the, the the idea behind the costume, mm-hmm. we like. Um, uh, the, the basic premise, obviously, of Van Helsing fighting monsters. Um, Guillermo del Toro was was toying with the idea of having Hellboy three be Hellboy yeah. versus Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman. Yeah. Um, and I, it's never going to happen, probably. Um, which is a shame because I would absolutely adore that. I think Guillermo yeah. del Toro is the kind of guy who could do this in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a Guillermo del Toro lover. Um, you know, I like his stuff. I think his Spanish stuff is better than his English stuff, um, with the possible exception of, of half of Hellboy 2. Um, Hellboy 2 is a very, very fine film. Hellboy 1 is a very, very fine film. Um, but I don't love Guillermo del Toro like some love him. Um, there's nothing he's done that I think is bad. Yeah. But nothing, you know, a few things that he's done that I absolutely adore. But this would be one thing that I would adore. Yeah. I think he Hellboy would, versus... Yeah, yeah, he would make this in his sleep and show Stephen Summers and everyone else how it's done. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. What else do we like? Um, um, not a great ooh. deal. Uh, I don't mind Richard Roxburgh's hair and sort of fancy coat. I don't mind that at all. You know, there's, there's yeah. been many Draculas, from the Bela Lugosi Dracula, with the, which is sort of the, the yeah. traditional Halloween one, to the absolutely supreme uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola, yeah. um, which we've, dis- we've covered in we've the covered podcast in the before. before. But yeah. I, I think that, you know... Um, the Oldman. Yeah. Oldman as the, as the old man with the sort of the, the booby haircut and the red yeah. gown is phenomenal. But th- this is kind of a... It's more understated than that, while still quite, you know, um, flamboyant. Yeah, uh, flamboyant's a good word. It's, yeah, it's, it's not steady. dark enough... Because of the film around it, but within the constraints of the film, it's dark, um, and it shows him off as a dark character. His costume's not so bad. It does its job. It sells him as this is obviously the guy to worry about for the the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I would agree. If only everything about (laughs) the character. I would have really loved if this was Hugh Jackman versus Gary Oldman and Robert De Niro. I would have absolutely adored this film. And Benicio Del Toro from The Wolfman. Yes! um, And and save him from that. Yeah. Not terrible film, uh, but very, very blasé the, the, the Wolfman, yeah. the George Johnson one, is better than Van Helsing. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. It's just not as good as <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as good as Branagh's Frankenstein, which in turn is not as good as uh, Ford Coppola's mm-hmm. Dracula. Ooh, yeah, I think. 
Also, um, um, they changed the names of all the characters. It's not Abraham Van Helsing like it is in Dracula. Gabriel. Gabriel Van Helsing. And it's not uh, Vlad um, Draculia or Vlad Tepes or whatever, yeah. you know, whoever the historical figure is named on. Vla- Vlad Asimir? Vladislaus. Vladislaus. Um, Vladislaus Draculia. I think if Richard Roxburgh had a great time with the accent and they said, give him a few more syllables. He's loving saying it. Yeah. Just chuck a few more at him, it's fine, you know. So, we launch into things you don't like. Yes, let's okay. gleefully. Richard Roxburgh. Oh, Richard Roxburgh. Now, Richard Roxburgh is an actor who has ability. He is not a bad actor. However, when you look at Moulin Rouge, which, again, many, many people like, but I genuinely, genuinely hate, um, and you yeah. look at this, and uh, it's like it's like he's not got a clue what, you know, what good acting is. Um, you know, just look at Gary Oldman in something like The Fifth Element, right? Yeah. That's how you do over the top. Look at Jack Nicholson in Batman. That's how you yeah. do over the top, right? You don't do it by essentially being Brian Blessed in Peter Pan, um, <laughs> you know, at the Skegness yeah. Opera House. That's not how you do films like this. No, very much. Um, and Richard Roxburgh really, really should learn how to act properly in big budget films or don't do them you know he did Moulin Rouge a lot of people liked it he got money for it and he clearly decided right this is how you do movies then this is how I'll act for the rest of my career Um, I saw him in a TV play of Hound of the Baskervilles once he was playing Sherlock Holmes and he was very very good in it he was fine Um, with Ian Hart as uh, Watson who's um, Quirrell from the first Harry Potter film and they were both absolutely great they were very very good it was a good film he clearly can act just not in this this. Um, yeah, um, I think Stephen Summers as well. Again, yeah, not that I want to make excuses for the Rock, the Roxborough, but you know, I think obviously he's kind of just shot for the rafters and done it all totally over the top. And again, the director at no point has stepped in and gone rein it back a bit. Mate. Absolutely, you know, he's just gone. Yeah, this is magic. Lay it on thick. Yeah, and it's. I, I think a lot of the problems with this film are from. You know, people just getting carried away mm-hmm. and just getting all caught up in it. I, I, I think I think that's a too kind of way to put it. Well, maybe carried yeah. away. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that, there's something in there um, beyond that. I think, but I, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I think that's where it starts. Maybe is there's some getting carried away, and then it's uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, you're never quite. Well, I'm never quite sure watching this film whether or not Dracula is meant to be uh, hammy at this point, or, or scary yeah. at this point, um, or, or, or building tension, or playing with the thing. Or yeah. it's very unclear. Um, you mentioned before the tone is uneven, yeah. um, but but less so in this. But I, I think Richard Roxburgh is one of those instances where where the tone of, of his performance is wildly uneven. Um, and it's not helped by the CGI, more of which later, whenever he mm-hmm. becomes the vampire. Oh, and yeah. Stephen Summers, rather than let the actor do the work, he throws CGI on everything, and it, it, it ruins it. It takes things away. One of the things that Ford yeah. Coppola did in the early 90s, at the, sort of the, the explosion of CGI, was use none. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just let Gary Oldman be a, a yeah. brilliant actor. And, and that's the opposite of what happens here. He casts yeah. Richard Roxburgh, and then rather than let Richard Roxburgh do the job, yeah. he, he paints over him with his CG brush. Yeah, it's really annoying. Uh, really, going on to one of my big gripes as well, is, again, looking at uh, Hugh Jackman's career, particularly his signature role, more on which later, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's a very physical actor, he can do as well as uh, doing acting, you know, he can do the stunts, he can do the physical performances, yeah. he really throws himself at it, and when you look at what he's done to his body, particularly the last two Wolverine films, you know, he's, or, or the, the two Wolverine films, you know, he's really and, shredded himself. And Les Mis as well, going the other yeah, way, you yeah. know, he really sort of emaciated himself absolutely. for the role. He, he and does then he bulked right up. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, 
Should, so, not so that that's good acting, but it shows commitment to the role. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it shows, again, you've got somebody who can really handle the physical stuff. Richard Roxburgh, I'm not as familiar with his CV. I know well, he had some action-y bits in Mission Impossible 2. You know, he's, again, I think he's capable of filming a fight scene. He's a theatre actor like Hugh Jackman, so yeah. I, I think that he would have been willing and able to do more than to do more some of us let him do. So for the, for the fight scene at the end to descend into giant cartoon bat versus oh, giant cartoon yeah. dog... When you've got, you know, particularly, again, no disrespect to Roxburgh, but I'm going to Jackman because I know him better. You've got an actor like that who can really knock that physical stuff out Mm -hmm. of the park. Just to waste it like that really bugs me. Yeah. I know I defended The Incredible Hulk and I'll defend any movie with Hulk in, but you have to do it with Hulk. The the character, you know, unless you want Lou Ferrigno, the character's not going to work without a CGI makeover. Well, for the punch-ups, admittedly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you'd still have scenes with Bruce Banner, but... But for for this, there's nothing that says there's nothing about the Dracula character that says he has to turn into a twenty foot bat. There's certainly nothing about Van Helsing that says he has to turn into a twenty foot wolf. You know, and you know, I think your physical climax as well as all your other climaxes could have been handled by the actors you've, in costume on a sound You've stage. absolutely stolen possibly my <laughs> my biggest uh, sorry bear with the film. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run with it. You just said the physical yeah. climax as well as other climaxes. Well, for me. It's 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 the it's the narrative climax, yeah, and the emotional climax that are ruined. Uh, the emotional climax because it is impossible, and I'm, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. fight against anyone who disagrees with me. It is impossible to feel as much for a CGI creation mm-hmm. as it is with an actor. Yeah. Now there are there are certain sort of uh, grey areas there. Gollum is an example. But Gollum yeah. is an actor acting and then being painted over. Yeah. That's one thing. Same with Avatar, same with Ruffalo's Hulk, but not the other Hulk. Well, well I think even Ruffalo's Hulk and Avatar, you know, you don't see them emotionally. Well, you don't see as much of the well, well, you do an avatar, yeah, of course yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoe Salana, yeah. Zoe is fantastic, and yeah, the animators do a great job of, of capturing yeah. that. Some more than rubbish, but, and the, the animators it, do nothing about well, it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it comes to things like the Hulk, which yeah. I think suffers like this does, though to no, not, not to the same degree, extent, but yeah. Um, because it's a fight scene, yeah. there's not enough time to focus on the emotion, and therefore, getting rid of your actor... Um, you, you, you're stripping away one of the only tools that can make a fight scene emotionally connect with an audience. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when you look at things like, well, even if you look at Star Wars, just to bring Star Wars in because we haven't done it in 20 minutes. Ding! Um, the Empire Strikes <laughs> Back, you know, yeah. that fight scene is very, very uh, emotionally uh, captivating because mm-hmm. Mark Hamill's doing such a good job. Yeah, uh, and, and he's because, having a carry the weight of and two. He, but yeah. No, no, he's not, though, because J- uh, James Earl Jones and, course, um, yeah. and um, Anderson... Um, uh, Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson, yeah. Um, are doing such good jobs with the body language that you still have an actor in there, um, or at least a performer doing the job. Yeah. Whereas when you CGI it, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. When you CGI those things and you can't even use the camera correctly or frame a shot correctly or edit it yeah. in any sensible way, you're shooting yourself in the foot again and again and again. It, it becomes like watching your mate play a really rubbish video game. Yes, it does. Very, very much. That's exactly it. Um, But then you get the narrative climax as well. The whole film at this point has been leading um, several narrative uh, uh, strands. You've got Van Helsing losing his memory, which Mm -hmm. is is quite late on revealed to have something to do with his relationship with Dracula, which is just bobbins. Um, And then you have the Valerius um, 
uh, yeah. bloodline where um, Anna Valerius is trying to redeem like 20 generations or, or something like that of her family by killing Dracula. Um, and then you have these emotional through lines, which are kind of poor anyway, but you still have them. And then you cap them off by a, um, you know, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it just, it just, it's like blowing a balloon, blowing up a balloon, blowing up a balloon, and just before it pops, letting all the air out. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you, you suffer through the sort of two plus hours yeah. beforehand hoping to get some kind of <laughs> resolution and yeah. you don't even get that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very much so. It, it's upsetting. It's, yes, it is. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Um, okay, I'm going to move on if that's okay. Um, well, I, I had another gripe. Are we still it. on gripes? We're still, yeah. still on gripes. Yeah, we're on gripes um, for a good long while. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Or, or the Frankenstein monster. Now, earlier on, when I was li- rattling off the monsters, I, I, I did it as well, so I apologise for that. But something that fans of the Frankenstein story, the, whether it's the films or the book or, or anything, you know, often come up against is people calling the monster Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, no, it's well, Dr. Frankenstein, it's Frankenstein's monster. You see, can I just... Well, no, I'll, I'll let you finish, then well, I'll jump in on it. Yeah, all, all I was going to say was it's, it's not a huge problem, but, you know, it's one... P- thing I don't expect it from is to it to happen in the film and yet by the end of Van Helsing mm-hmm. other characters are calling him Frankenstein and he's answering to it yeah um, and, and I, I just I keep waiting for Hugh Jackman to correct David Wenham he never does <laughs> but then Frankenstein is Dr. Victor Frankenstein's surname yeah. so and, and the monster sees himself as his son yeah. so maybe Frankenstein is accurate for the monster um, do you know what his, his actual name is what what the monster's actual name is he doesn't have one. According to the novel, he certainly does. I, don't, I read the novel, I don't remember. Adam. 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 Ah, of yeah. Um, I don't think he's ever called Adam in the book, no. but in, in, in the narrative, uh, yeah. the, the Dr. Frankenstein refers to him as the Adam of the, the Adam, new race. He, he is Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a biblical um, parable. Uh, not parable, um, uh, a parallel. No, it's referencing Buffy season six, surely. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Well, in this case, it bloody is, yeah. yeah. It's about as good a set of special effects. Um, yeah, I, I don't like how Frankenstein's monster is handled at all. Could have been the, brilliant. The, the only thing that I like about it is that he's not a villain. Um, yes. And I love when Frankenstein's monster, um, when Adam Frankenstein, when, whatever, <laughs> is not a villain. Yeah. Um, in, in James Whale's Frankenstein um, mm-hmm. and the Bride of Frankenstein, he's not a villain. Yeah. In, in, in the classical Frankenstein. Yeah. In, um, in the Frankenstein of... of uh, uh, director Ken, Ken Branagh, Ken Branagh yeah. uh, he's not really a villain he, he no. does villainous things because he was in the book but he is a victim of, of circumstances he, a victim of Victor Frankenstein I think at worst you could call him an understandable villain through the things that have happened to him yes absolutely yeah. um, and in this he is far more heroic uh, yeah. even than some of the heroes um, and that's the only thing I like about it. Yeah. Um, Shula Hensley, who plays him, um, knew Hugh Jackman before from uh, the, the international tour of Oklahoma, sorry, the uh, Australian tour of Oklahoma that they did. Um, they, they've been in theatre together. And right. I, I presume that's how he got the job. Um, he's a big man. He, he physically, you know, could yeah. be a good Frankenstein's monster. Although, not that Frankenstein's monster has to be bigger than a man. You know, he's yeah. made of man parts. Yeah, exactly, made... yeah, yeah. De Niro. Well, exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, but he he, he um, physically has this sort of st- you know the, the, Stephen Summers is going for the the universal monster. Yeah, idea, he's not, not the book. It, yeah. Um, but even so, I think his performance is woefully uh, uh, misfired. Um, he's he's vocal, for example. He's very sort of um, uh, articulate. He does. <laughs> yeah. No, don't do this. Do that. Let me die. Yeah. Oh. 
Um, and I don't know who that is. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a flesh golem who's been stitched together from several dead criminals. That's not who he is. He, he it doesn't does sound like that. Big mournful why yeah. right at the start, and you're like you're three minutes into the film, and you're like, no, nah, I'm out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, he looks ridiculous. He looks like a steampunk. Um, creation yeah. in, in, a, in a film which does have some steampunk elements, but is not meant to be a steampunk. No. Um, he, he has this sort of steam gas going on yeah. his foot whenever he takes a step. He's not a cyborg. He's not, he's yeah. not Victoria's Robocop, the, you know the, what I mean? There's a bit where he gets hit in the face and part of his face comes off, and I don't know if it was meant to be bone, but it looked like metal it was underneath. A it was like the Terminator, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the. The, the trouble there with with the aesthetic of him is that they didn't go far enough in any one particular direction. I think, you know, if you want to do a steampunk Frankenstein, it doesn't make any sense, but fair enough, go for it. Go yes. whole hog. And this is kind of, well, we'll give him the odd hiss here and there, and there'll yeah. be a light, he's got a random Iron Man light in his chest. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what any of it means, yeah. So he's, he's designed poorly from several yeah. good ideas that are stretching each other to ridiculous points. He, he's a Frankenstein of several composite <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Get oh. Sorry. Uh, and, and yeah, he's, he's performed um, in a way which is, yeah. you know, sub-pantomimic from an actor who, for all I know, is very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. Th- I think that, that kind of extends to Roxborough a bit as well. I think they both think they're in panto. Yes. Um, Hugh Jackman knows he's in a kind of a, an adventure popcorn. He, he thinks he's yeah. in a better B movie than he is. Than he is, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and and then, so to cap it off with the final monster, there's the, the, the werewolf, which when it's Hugh Jackman, is rubbish. Yep. Um, and when it's n- not Hugh Jackman, it's the guy whose name I, I don't even know because he's nobody. He's completely forgettable, um, yeah. He's a yeah. very bland, substandard werewolf. Yeah. Um, um and, and not just, I mean, I mean that sounds, sounds very unfair to the actor, but I just mean in the script and everything as well. It's just the, the character contributes nothing apart from the odd punch-up in werewolf form. Really. His name, according to the IMDB, is Will Kemp. Kemp. And he, he's, he's the, the brother of uh, um, Underworld, uh, Kate Beckinsale's character. His yes. character, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, Will uh, Kemp has done theatre and dance um, and so forth. But so, no, he's not. Uh, he's not a big actor at all. Again, yeah, and and you know, first, he, he doesn't have much to do in this. But he's that, not that's very entirely good. the problem. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to be unfair to the guy, and you know, I hope yeah. I'm wrong. I hope it is a film that's really good and wins an Oscar. But he's not. He's not, not in this. Good. Yeah, no, um, very much. So. You know, Hugh Jackman is a good actor in a bad film, and yeah. even um, uh, Kate Beckinsale yeah. is a a reasonable to good actress yeah. in, in a poor film. He's not a good actor, I'm yeah. afraid. Um, Carl Wenham is the sidekick. David Wenham. David Wenham as Carl. a sidekick, Carl. Yes. Yes. Um, he's very good in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. As, as is most of the cast of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's not bad in 300. Possible, yeah. He's dreadful in this. Absolutely. He's dreadful. <laughs> and again, it's more the script's fault than his. Yeah. Uh, but he thinks he's doing a sex comedy. Yes. He thinks he's doing Teen James Bond and he's playing Sexy Q. Yeah. And that's not the case at all. Absolutely. He's meant to be a, a, a monk, sorry, friar, so he can shag and swear. Yeah. Um, but he, he, he pitches it as a very... A slapstick comedy, and yeah. and it doesn't work. It, it doesn't even fit in with the shooting for the rafters of uh, Richard Roxburgh no. and uh, the the monster. I've forgotten his name already. Uh, Shula Hensley. Shula Hensley. Yeah, it, it, it's, it doesn't fit with their vibe. It doesn't fit with Jackman. It's no. just completely its own thing. And yeah, 
teen sex comedy, you're right. I was, yeah. I was struggling to place it, but you've hit the nail right on the head. That's and I, I think any film <laughs> where the geeky sidekick gets his end away and the hero gets a kiss... <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for falling to, to, to formula here, but it is a very formulaic film, mm-hmm. and they've screwed that part of the formula. Pardon the pun. Um, you know, if, if Hugh Jackman, if shirtless Hugh Jackman is not getting jiggy with somebody, yeah, and David Wenham, the geeky with, sidekick, with that haircut, with that haircut and that big <laughs> flattering, sexy brown friar's robe, yeah. is getting sex from a quite a good-looking extra. Yeah, um, yeah, something's gone wrong there. And, and that, why does it smell like wet dog in here? Why? Oh, all the silly little jokes. Who thought that was funny? Yeah, he's the, the comedy sidekick in a film that doesn't need a sidekick. Bereft of comedy. Yeah. The, the comedy sidekickness could have been handled by the CGI characters, frankly. You know, Absolutely. Of getting enough comedy out of Dracula and Van Helsing smacking each other around. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, um, Kevin J. O'Connor is, uh, is bad. Um, he's not particularly um, good in most of the things that he does, but he at least uh, he at least um, has uh, has a, a comic timing. However, in this, you've got this particular lack of, of of acting talent, plus not a lot of comedy going on as well. So Kevin J O'Connor, his, his comedy chops are wasted because of the script, uh, and he can't really act the part very well either. Do you know? I only really liked him in the the Mummy, mm-hmm. and I remember very fondly Deep Rising. Right, but I'm conscious I haven't seen Deep Rising since I was about 16. Do not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, it's like He-Man. It's not as good, it's not, as, it's not you as, good remember as you remember it being. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and yeah, since then, Kevin G. O'Connor again. Well, he's in everything Stephen Summers makes. Um, and since the yeah. movie, Stephen Summers hasn't made that much that I've no, he hasn't. much enamoured um, with. Yeah. Um, the Three Brides. The Vampiric oh. Brides. I mean, I think they're Eastern European role models... Not role models. Uh, fashion models. Fashion models. Role models. <laughs> they're certainly Jesus. not role models, my Definitely friend. Definitely not. No. Um, which, so I think their accents are authentic. Um, but A, you know, if you're going to keep swapping from a CG Harridan to, to some, yeah. you know, bizarrely costumed and made up woman, the look isn't sense. all that important. So hire good actors. Mm. It's not like there aren't fit actresses out there. Yeah. Just cast the net a little bit wider. You know, don't go in your, your, your um, Victoria's Secret catalogue, pick three, yeah. the first three models you find and cast them. You know, cast proper actresses. <laughs> They've got quite big roles in it, quite a lot of dialogue. Yeah. They're, um, they're not the throw Ironically, they're, they're, they're not as good as, um, what's her name? Uh, Matrix. And she was the chief Dracula bride in the Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, Monica Bellucci. They're not as good as Monica Bellucci, but they actually get more screen time and more to do. Absolutely. Than, than, than she does in, in Francis Dracula. Ford Coppola's one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, a dis, it's a despicable disgrace on Stephen Summers' part um, when there's yeah. actresses out there who are very attractive, willing to get their cleavage out, um, and they're not being given jobs yeah. um, in favour of these three women who can't even scream properly. <laughs> I mean, the ability to scream is something that, you know, wannabe horror stars, it's like a prerequisite. It's something that our species has as a fight-or-flight response, surely. <laughs> yeah. Not even actors do it. People do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're, yeah. they're very poorly handled. Um, and they, they speak in a contemporary manner and they, they try and have this sort yeah. of campy, funny side to them when they're also murdering people and giving birth to these horrible, gelatinous Ooh. vampire children. The it's all just gremlins. terrible. Yeah. Um, um, Alan Armstrong's alright. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's fine. He's a very, very good actor. Good. Um, it's not his finest role by any standard. No, but um, he's not even as good in this as he is in The Mummy Returns, and The Mummy Returns is also dreadful. Yeah. Um, I forgot he was in The Mummy Returns. Yeah. That's come crashing home. Yeah. He was. Um, was The uh, Mummy Returns before this one? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Mummy, then Mummy Returns, then this. Oh yeah, The Mummy Returns is like 2002, 2003, and this is 2004. 2004 so yeah. yeah, this is this is the previous movie to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was uh, he was Tanadier. He was uh, Borat's role in the stage production of Les Mis. All oh, right. Um, and he should have been in the film because he's much better than Borat at the role. <laughs> but yeah. enough of that. Yeah, we'll save that for the podcast. I agree. Uh, so there we go. So with the exception of Alan Armstrong's bit part at the beginning and Hugh Jackman fighting a terrible script, the cast are dreadful. Yeah. Um, okay, we've not talked about um, um, uh, Anna, Anna Valerian yet. Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Um, I'm going to I'm going to jump on a, a bandwagon here and talk not just about her performance but about the character in general. Okay. Um, her character to me seems like a very ham-fisted attempt at the modern action heroine. Um, I don't like the Tomb Raider films. I don't like Tomb Raider and the objectification of Lara Croft in general. But I think it started from quite an honest place of having a female Indiana Jones. Yeah. Of having a woman in charge of the story. Um, and the fact that it was created by men kind of skewers that a little bit. But there's nothing to say that women can't write strong female characters. Yeah. Um, but when you try, as a man, to write a strong female character particularly, specifically, to try and tick that politically correct box, and then have that strong female character gawked at by the camera from frame one, and constantly in peril being rescued by the men, it ruins any chance you have of trying to equalise the genders. It's actually worse than just having her be a damsel in distress. It is, absolutely. the, the, The damsel in distress thing, obviously, it's not very PC, it's not very... Um, you're fair, no. But but it's it's an established cinema and trope. For, it's, you know, for this to, film, it would have been truer to the genre. Exactly, yeah. To the 1930s if, Universal films, because they were, yeah they were all about it, yeah. And yeah, this this as you say, it, it's being done to tick a box. It's not being done through any genuine desire to, um, you know, try and do, do right by the ladies. That is so, the way it yeah. seems. Um, yeah, so. yeah, you, you, you're right. A good character. The, the gender is 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 yeah. You know, immaterial. You write a good character. If you want a strong female character, just write a strong character who is a female. Don't yeah. try and shoehorn in the fact that she has a sword and she fights and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And she can backflip off things, and then she still gets carried off by the brides and has to get shot down by Van Helsing's crossbow. It's it's just it's pish. I kind of feel like that to a less irritating extent, but with uh, Kira Knightley and uh, Pirates. Yes. Um, yeah, particularly the first one. The, the, the sequels aren't as good. No. Uh, but she's also not, she holds her own a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she gets more to do, and it's it's less about her being a woman and just her being a character. Yes. In the first one, there's all the lines about the corset and all mm-hmm. the stuff, and then she saves him with the you know, and it, yeah, and she's it's still always being saved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the very first shot of her is is gliding up her skin tight pants around mm-hmm. her ass, up her bodice, past yeah. her you know boobs. Boobs. Uh, yeah. Um, and up to her very pretty face and her very yeah. immaculate hair. Now, she's a princess of the gypsies. Now, I'm not trying to be racist against uh, Romani no. people here or travellers or whatever. Um, I, you know, but in Transylvania, in the late 1800s, yeah. I don't think gypsies would have been that clean or, or well-groomed. Now, in fairness, I don't think badass Vatican assassins would have looked as good as Hugh Jackman either. Well, absolutely not, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is not, this is not sort of... Um, it's uh, it's uh, not a documentary. Her, yeah. No, but... 
But yeah, still, yeah, I yeah. think that you know she shouldn't look like some kind no. of bohemian top shop catalog page. Do you know she what? should look like a gypsy princess. Do you know who? Which film does gypsy princess really well? Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows. Absolutely, yes. boom. Absolutely, yeah, they got that costume that. designer to do Anna Valerian. That would have been. That would have been. Yeah. That would have looked fine. Yeah, I'm um, with you there. Yeah, totally with you there. Because um, she's still sexy I, without being a sex object. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I like the Beckinsale. Um, I do. She, she's not my favourite actress in the world, but she's good. Just not in this. Right. <laughs> I think that the, I, 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 I am unapologetic about this. I think that the yeah. first two Underworld films, and to yeah. a lesser extent the fourth Underworld film, are very fun B movie style action horror blend. Yes. And I think she does that role perfectly. And that yeah. actually, in my opinion, and feminists, please do email in and correct me. I think that is a very good example of a strong female lead. Very much so. She's not in distress. Although she's wearing skin-tight leather, it's not, you know, impractical and cleavagey. She and still so has high heels. So are most of the men in that movie. Well, absolutely. <laughs> she still has high heels, which bugs me. Yeah. The only action heroine who I, who I can categorically say doesn't wear high heels is Lara Croft. And I don't understand Ellen why. Ripley. Ellen Ripley, okay, Ellen Ripley, she is, she is the, the archetype the daddy, of yeah. the strong female character. Sorry, Ellen Ripley's um, the mummy. I just, well, she, I just said Ellen Ripley's the daddy. How accidentally <laughs> sexist was that? <laughs> <laughs> but no, see, that's, that's the thing, you see, Ellen Ripley is not a strong female character. She is a strong, strong lead character who happens, to be, happens to be female. Yeah. Um, James Cameron and, 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 and you know, obviously um, uh, uh, Ridley Scott, the screenwriters at least, well, the screenwriter wrote them as a bloke. Well, the, well they, they wrote all the characters gender neutral in the first one. Right, fair and enough. And then Ridley so, just cast who he wanted. So the fact that so Ridley is a strong lead, it comes down to that, the fact yeah. that she wasn't written to try and pander to women. She's no. written as a strong character. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, um, um, yeah, Laura Croft, no high heels. Ellen no high heels. Everyone else seems to wear high heels. Yep. You know, uh, Trinity in The Matrix, high heels. High heels Why? Yeah. Karen Moss yeah. almost broke her ankle. I think she did break her yeah. ankle, actually, because she wore high heels. Don't, if she's going to be fighting Kung Fu, don't give her high heels. Even, give uh, her Doc Martens or something. You know what I mean? It's more practical. Yeah. E- even uh, um, um, Black Widow in The Avengers. Yes. High heels. Joss Whedon, yeah. She, for, for when they're fighting at the end, fine, she's wearing sensible boots, but he, she's introduced yeah. in uh, high heels and a dress. Um I have no problems with that scene. No, it's a brilliant scene. It's a brilliant scene. I have the same problem that Cinema Sins has with it. Speaking, it does not contain a lap dance. Speaking of Joss Whedon, um, River Tam. Uh, River and, Tam and also, obviously, um, yeah, Buffy. Uh, Buffy and, uh, and um, Gina Torres. Zoe. Zoe. Yeah, um, yeah actually, no I need to take Buffy back. So, although Buffy's pretty much archetypal, mm-hmm. badass female, when she was originally created, she was quite sort of prom queen wasn't she? She was quite pretty girl. But I think, I think it was a twisting that convention. Yeah, yeah. I think, he, I think, he, he did that on purpose, yeah. so he had to do that. So yeah. anyway, yeah, so um, <coughs> high heels. Why is she wearing high heels? It's ridiculous. Yes. Um, but other than that, she's very good in Underworld. Yes. And she does not live up to that in this. I think no, Underworld came later, didn't it? But still... No, I think the first Underworld was out before this one. Was it? I, I'm sure I can Fair remember enough. making loads of jokes about Kate Beckinsale radically departing from Underworld by fighting vampires and werewolves. Okay. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I think certainly all the sequels are post-Van Helsing. Yeah, but the, the, the Underworld films, are, yeah, they're, they're by no means quality filmmaking. They are entertaining. They're, yeah. you know, they, they handle the genre of, of monster fighting well. Yes, I would agree. Um, okay. Yeah, let's, let's move on to the visuals. We've discussed the costumes. The production design um, looks like... um, Well, do you remember Maid Marion and Her Merry Men? The low-budget BBC kids series from the 80s. Tony Um, Robinson. That looked better than this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember that sitcom with um, Phil Jupitus in the medieval era? 
No. Do you remember Blackadder, the first series of Blackadder yes. that was dreadful? They all look better than this. Yeah. Um, what looks as bad as this? What looks as bad as Van Helsing in terms of the, pro- the production design? G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, The Mummy Returns. <laughs> sensing a pattern. We are sensing a pattern. Um, it, it, looks, it looks like... What does it look like? It looks like... Do you know what? Do you know what looks like this This film? Oh. Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. Okay. Uh, and it's spin Kevin Sorbel? Kevin Sorbel. Yeah. And it's much more famous spin-off, Xeno Warrior Princess. Um, they had to basically throw up uh, an ancient Greek set in a week yeah. and then knock it down ready for a new set the following week. They looked as good as this. Yeah. As this <laughs> six-month pre-production do you know, film. Do you know what? Apparently, the, the little town... Outside Castle Frankenstein, mm-hmm. where a lot of the action takes place. Don't say it's a real town. It's not. Good. Um, but apparently the production were so happy with it that they didn't want to knock it down. And there was going to be a spin-off TV series set in and around this town. <sighs> uh, with the one bit of novel idea in remotely near this film I like, where a Wild West sheriff was going to find himself plucked from his... Town in the Wild West. And placed, and uh, pla- Transylvania. placed in Transylvania, having to fight the monsters and that. Dear me. And they were even hoping for occasional once or twice a season cameos from Hugh Jackman. Oh, please. Uh, and uh, and of course, East. this one came out and made no money and plans were abandoned. But And that was, that was all born, according to the IMDb trivia page, uh, because of the uh, because of how happy they were with the, set, <sighs> the design of the little thing. They really should um, not have been happy. No. Um... I mean, I suppose it was in- inoffensive. At least it's more the castles and stuff that were really over the top, and uh-huh. much, you know the, the little, little town but, and the and the the uh, windmill. Yeah, that would not grind a single pound of flour. No. That was a very rickety construction. Very much. so. I'm not happy with that. Yeah. Um, I can't find the, the the money that this made, but I wanna I wanna see if you're right with that. I'm gonna fact check you on that. What did the, it make no money? money? It, it, uh, I no money. I'm grossly exaggerating, but it, it performed under what the I, yeah, studio wanted. I don't think it was a flop. Um, mm. I'll need to I'll need to look look that up while we're here. Um, yeah. we'll we'll carry on talking about how bad this film is. Yeah. The CGI is very poor as well. Um, uh, the CGI of the little vampire children is very bad. Um, you know, a yeah, lot of the a lot all. of the transformations from the the, the, the brides as, as vampires yeah. and Richard Roxburgh the vampire they're just not good. They're do, not. Do you know what it's as good as? Um, and I should have said this. Well, no, because you were talking about set design as well okay. than CGI. But the CGI looks as good as I've been watching a lot of these with my niece recently, who's right. four. Um, any of the recent live action Scooby Doo made for TV movies? Okay, that's what this looks as good as. Good, good. Um, uh, it made three hundred million, so it made almost double its budget back, which, which, um, which is by no means a flop. It, but it's by no means an explosion. It, it, no, either. it's not. A um, you know, for a, for a sixty million pound looper, it would be very, very good money. Yeah. But for a hundred and sixty million follow up to the Mummy, yeah, not, not so much. Not so much. Okay. Um, anything we... else that we despise about Van Helsing before we move on to Wolverine? Uh, the music's not bad. It ends. It's it's not. Very it's good. too long. It, it's, we were discussing this at the end of the film. It's too bloody long. It we get into the bit when they were going into the castle, and I looked at it, and it still had forty minutes to go. Too long. Yeah. No. Far an far. hour and a half. Ninety minutes. That's what this film needs. Yeah. I'm all for a two and a half hour movie if it's 
Lord of the Rings. Yes, or, if it deserves it. Yeah. There's no such thing as a film too long or a film too short. It's, it's, it's just, too much plot or too little plot. Yeah. And this has too little plot to stretch the two hours and quarter minutes. Yeah. Uh, two hours and fifteen minutes, sorry. Also, I forgot, we almost didn't mention this, the last sort of scene where she's floating oh, in the clouds with her ancestors. With oh. Who okayed that? I mean, bad enough Stephen Summers writing it, but then the producers and the studio head and the actors all went, yeah, alright, sounds legit, fair enough, we'll do yeah. that, yeah. No! Someone needs to say, hang on a minute, Stephen. Yeah. Y- you hit gold with a mummy. Yeah. Just just reel it back a bit. Okay, you're not Spielberg. No. You know, you're not Jim Cameron. You, you, you might be a Stephen S, but you're not <laughs> You're not Spielberg. Hell, yeah. you, you know, you're not even uh, Brett Ratner, you yeah. know. Just get on with it. You're not even Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's be honest. Yeah, Michael Bay only has one trick, but at least he does that trick Trip well, you know. <laughs> Camera, sun in the background, put your subject between it, and then bam. Yeah. He does that very, very well. <laughs> Stephen Summers doesn't even do floating faces in the no. clouds well. Oh. Yeah. Um, on the music, last thing before we move over. Okay. Um... I, I don't know that the music's not bad. I, I think you're right, for the most part the music's not bad. But there were a couple of moments that really jumped out at me and I was very upset when I discovered it was Alan Silvestri, who okay. I, I enjoy very much. The man who scored Back to the Future among many, many others. Back to the Future, Predator, The Avengers. Um, you know, great. But oh, hang on, what's, there, that, there was what's that one really well-known tune from The Avengers? Um, oh, shut up. Oh, right, okay. I can sing it if you want me to, yeah, so I, I'll delete you. But no, I'm not doing it because I'll sing it. Stop it. Stop it. We were on the same side. All right, sorry, then, go on, right. Okay. I'm being mean, sorry. Anyway, there were a couple of moments where it just, it really glared to me that this is just bad Indiana Jones music. Yeah. The, the, specifically the Grail Knight theme from Last Crusade mm-hmm. gets mangled a couple of times here. It does. Um, and absolutely not. Now, was this film better at what it, it set out to do than I'd all be for the music aping Indiana Jones? Because again, although the subject matter would be very different, if the the high adventure tone mm-hmm. matched Indiana Jones in the way that the Mummy did and the first Pirates did, if it yes. was that kind of tone, a national treasure as well. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I agree, yeah. but of course it, it didn't, and uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say for the most part it was inoffensive, but there were a couple of times where it basically took some of John Williams' best work. Mangled it and threw it on the screen, and that upset me. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Right, Wolverine. Let's move on then. Uh, so, X Men Origins Wolverine. Um, so the premise of Wolverine. It's um, it's the twilight years of the first decade of the twenty first century, and a cabal of evil geniuses has decided that uh, Wolverine needs taken down a peg or two from his stage as the most popular X Man, um, <laughs> and uh, they made a film. Right, anyway. <laughs> it's, do you know what, Wolverine, after speaking for sort of 45 minutes about Van Helsing, I, f- I feel I need to offer another apology. I'm doing a lot of apologising tonight. Because I've got to be honest, uh, it upsets me greatly, Wolverine, but there's, objectively, there's no way it's as bad as Van Helsing. No. It's much better in almost every conceivable way. Yes. It still hurts. You talked on Van Helsing about the gulf between what it should have been and what it was. Mm-hmm. And this has an element of that. But then this also, this is the, essentially the fourth film in a series. It's, you know, it's the first standalone Wolverine film, but... Yeah, it's the first it's, spin-off. Yeah. Um, the, the pedigree that went into it, particularly the star, again, Hugh Jackman and Wolverine have become synonymous over the last decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rightly so, I think he's great in the role. Well, as you mentioned at the, the, the common, uh, yeah. recent Comic-Con, you know, this is the yeah. role that launched his career. It defined his career. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I just what upsets me is not so much how bad it is out of context, but in the context of the, the films around it. Even X-Men The Last Stand, which gets a lot of bad press, but isn't anywhere near as bad as this. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it just should have been better, I think. And as a film that's ostensibly all about the best X-Men, mm-hmm. of course it should be a winner. So uh, that's what frustrates me with it, is the fact that it, it would be very difficult to make a bad film centred on Wolverine, and yet somehow it was achieved. Yeah. Um, even with the, the... We've talked before about the whether or not we should explore Wolverine's past and find out where he comes from. And I certainly agree that I don't think the origin, his, his actual, his birth and his childhood, those years should have been comic booked or filmed. No, not at uh, all. But when, when I was watching X-Men 2 and you had all those flashback scenes, and then a few summers later somebody said, oh, they're doing a movie all about Wolverine's origin, yes. I naturally assumed it was going to be two hours of Weapon X. Which would have been brilliant. That's exactly what it should have been, yeah. yeah. And instead it's ten minutes in the middle of a two-hour film. Yeah. Full of cuddling and crying and moping and will I bloody am. <laughs> and... <laughs> it offends me to my very core. So that, that that's why it's my pick for, for worst film. As a massive it's... fan of will I am, I have to say I'm offended. He is the best thing in the... <clears throat> if, you're, if you're a massive fan of will I am, I'm glad I've offended you. <laughs> uh, um, just to side, uh, uh, sidestep... Just yeah. for a second, uh, we were talking at the beginning of the podcast who the writers were. It was yeah. written by Skip Woods, okay, who's also responsible for A Good Day to Die Hard, mm-hmm. The A Team, okay, and Swordfish, mm-hmm. and David Benioff, who's one of the writers of Lost. No, not just one of the writers of Lost, one of the showrunners on of Game show- of Thrones. Game of Thrones. My word. Um, but I think <laughs> oh. it, it's the it's the um, he must have written the Weapon X bit in the middle. It's the curse of Lost, isn't it? You know, Damon yeah. Lindelof came on and ruined Prometheus. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not fair to lay it all on him, but... but yeah, it's, yeah, he definitely gets some of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, then you've got this guy here who... Uh, um, am I wrong? He's nothing to do with Lost, is he? He's just uh, he's just Game of Thrones. David Benioff. Oh, it's maybe not the Curse of Lost. Then. I don't uh, know. Yeah, he's nothing to do with Lost. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... So the whole curse, curse of Lost subplot... It's is, still very, moment. very apt yeah. for... It, it, it's surprising. You know, David Benioff of, of Game of Thrones fame is that, that, one of the writers. Yes, yeah. the, there are a couple of good bits, and in fact, he must have written Sabretooth, who pretty much throughout the movie is the one redeeming feature. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Well, he also wrote the um, screenplay to the Kite Runner, okay. um, to Twenty Fifth Hour with Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's so sure. yeah, I, yeah, it genuinely looks like David Benioff came on board and did something really good, and they all went, "Now nah, let's just get Skip Woods in to do something else." To do with the rest, it. yeah. Um, so, um, well, we'll start with, as we did with uh, Van Helsing, what, what do we like mm-hmm. about it? I'm going to jump in first, if you don't mind. Leave Schreiber, Schreiber, I'm really sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but you're brilliant. Um, he's really good in this. Uh, I've seen him in a few things, I've liked him in a few things, I'm really enjoying Ray Donovan at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's really good as a... Sorry, I keep saying Sabretooth. As Victor, who's never given a surname or a, a power. Is he never given name. a surname? Never, never called Victor, Victor Creed. Creed. No, okay. just called Victor throughout the whole movie. Fair enough. So he could be Victor Frankenstein. He could be. This could be a prequel to Van Helsing. Van Helsing. This could explain he's a lot. Lost his memory in yeah. Van Helsing. Maybe it's, he was Weapon X. Well, you know, it's, it's the adamantium bullet. Of course, he lost his memory. <laughs> in um, he's not a vampire. He's a mutant. Yeah, that explains it. Um, but yeah, Lee Schreiber, I think, is really good. Um, the performance is good. Apparently, they had designed a Juggernaut-esque 
suit for him to wear to give him the height and build, okay. you know, so he would dwarf Jackman. And Leif Schreiber said, no, nah, I'm not wearing that, I'll be humiliated. And he just hit the gym furiously. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say he quite dwarfs Jackman, because it's a difficult thing to do. Jackman's but, a big guy. Yeah, but, you, but he you is believe the, he is the bigger power, and stronger. Yeah, he's, yeah, he really sells it. Um, I think the costume's great, very simple, it's just all black yep. with a long coat. Yeah. Uh, it works. The purist in me wanted big eyebrows. He, big... he looks a little bit like the bad guy in a western, doesn't he? Very much so, yeah. He looks a little Especially bit like Henry that... Fonda in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Just this black, black coat, you know, staring mm-hmm. eyes. It is that sort of western thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and of course Wolverine's got the white vest on, so mm. yeah, that, 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 yeah. Particularly when they're squaring up to each other in the bar. Yeah. Um, just after he's found it's Silver Fox's body. Yeah. Canadian Western. Ca- Canadian Western, yeah. Well, it's even, <laughs> even got that obviously Canadian yeah. guy. It says, fellas, whatever this is, take it outside. We don't want your can <laughs> here up in the Yukon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's really good. I'd, as a huge, huge Marvel fan, uh, I had my ideas about how Sabretooth should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I quite liked him in X-Men 1 he doesn't have much to say or do Tyler Mayne I don't think is a particularly gifted actor but for what the script required of him yeah. did fine yeah, yeah. Um, so I must admit the purist in me was kind of wanting a big fur coat long hair and bushy eyebrows mm-hmm. and I didn't get any of those things and I don't mind I no. was very pleasantly surprised by yeah. how uh, Victor Creed came across yeah. in Wolverine so. a good actor, good dialogue a character well handled he gets all the best lines he does movie. very much he so. really does Yeah. Um, ok, okay. What, um, what do you like? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave uh, Ryan Reynolds to you, okay? Because <laughs> um, although obviously you know there are concerns with the whole character, Ryan Reynolds playing him is, is great. Yeah, um, I like Danny Houston. Yeah, I think he's a very fine actor. The first film I ever saw him in and noticed him was a film called The Proposition, which is a film set in the Australian outback in the late 1800s, where Guy Pearce is the middle brother of three criminal brothers, and he's oh, told yes. go and kill your older brother. Otherwise, we'll execute your younger brother. So he then has to go out, and Danny Houston plays the older brother, and he is a very, very, very menacing figure. Superbly understated, very well acted, horribly menacing, and I think a striker, he brings, you know, maybe not his A game, but he brings his blockbuster game. Yeah. Um, he is, you know, he takes a character who doesn't have particularly good dialogue, and he makes him a believable villain. You believe that he is a man pulling all the strings and making these yeah. villains try and kill each other. You know, he, he's a believable villain, not on the same level as, you know, oh God, who, um, Magneto in the, in the other yeah. films, you know. He, he's not quite the same calibre as that because the mm. film doesn't let him be, but he certainly is as good a villain as the, as the, a film of this, of this poor quality could have. Yeah. Um, and that, that's all credit to Danny Houston, I think. Yeah, I think he serves it well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well, you touched on Ryan Reynolds, so I need to bring mm-hmm. that um, Deadpool, we'll talk a lot about when we get onto things we don't like about this film. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're looking for somebody who can do a bit of stunt work and crack wise, um, that list is going to have Ryan Reynolds on it somewhere. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, in, in the five minutes of Ryan Reynolds we get in this film, I enjoyed him. Um, there's, a, there's a slight element, I've heard a few criticisms uh, of uh, it's too much, it's too over the top, it's literally every time he opens his mouth it's a gag. But A, I mean, Wolverine points that out in the movie. He says, don't you ever shut up. Mm-hmm. And B, knowing Deadpool. I think that, that's the difference. Going into the film knowing he's playing Wade Wilson, who becomes Deadpool, who's the merc with a mouth and doesn't shut up. It was kind of... If it was two hours of him doing that, I would agree. But I think in the, it, the it, small portion of time we get, it doesn't bother me. It's kind of as far as you can go without veering into postmodern absurdity and breaking yeah. down the fourth wall and referring to, you know, the talk, yeah. talking directly to Gavin Hood as he's directing the film, you know. Yeah. Come on, Gavin, can't I kill some more people? You know, stuff like that that he would do in the comics. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 
Yeah, the, 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 there was a, a real danger Deadpool would when Wolverine tells him off in the elevator for speaking too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> real danger, he's just going to lean to the cameras. Get a lot of this guy! Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds can do it. He, he um, Love him or hate him, I'm, I'm a fan. He's, he's, he's been in a lot of shit, uh, but... He he can make me laugh, mm-hmm. um, and he certainly he he pitched it well here. I think I'm going to throw can, in a, a sort yeah. of a too late swear warning there. We are sorry. swearing in this one. Though. We are swearing. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's a mild one. It's a, it's a mild one. Yeah, but, you know. Kids listen to this podcast. Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, so and yeah, he can handle the physical stuff very well. That that's when he comes out the elevator. That's really cool. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. But again, you, you're reminded very occasionally. Um, that, that it's a comic book movie mm-hmm. um, and you know when he's twirling the swords and he cuts the bullet in two and takes out the two guys behind him and it's really really silly and over the top which kind of goes into one of the negatives that we'll probably talk about later on in terms of the changes of tone yes but you know it, it's a cool stunt he pulls it off well mm-hmm. but he does that big jump at the end it's clearly Ryan Reynolds on a wire it's not CGI yeah I'm saying clearly on a wire as a selling point, but you know what I mean. It's, it's clearly you can't see the wires, but effects. it's clearly a practical stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's really good. So yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Super. Ryan Reynolds, Danny Houston, Lee Schreiber. You guys are officially off the hook for this one. I I would go as far as to put Lynn Collins off the hook as well. Um, yeah, Lynn Collins. She's she. I don't know if she's ever going to win an Oscar. She's not. You know, she's not. Yeah, she's not like an actress of, of renown. Um, but the two films I've seen are in this and John Carter, which is very good, by the way. Go and see it. Yeah. Um, she handles herself very well. You know, she's good looking. Um, she's also very believable in the role. She is. And, um, you know, those are the two things you need to be a, a movie star. In fairness to her on this one, she's almost the inverse of Lee Schreiber. She's handed some pretty horrific dialogue. Mm-hmm. She, she manages to pull it off, you know. Absolutely. But she's she's one of many characters that's, that's given some pretty turgid stuff to have to get out and yeah. still manages it. But you, you, so, yeah. you, you kind of care about her. You, you yeah. don't after she's fake uh, uh, After because, the reveal, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the script's fault. She's turning into a right using cow. Yeah. But, you know, up to that point, you know, you're like, I, I'd, I'd feel happy for Logan yeah. living in Canada with her for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, another one I'd let off the hook is Dominic Monaghan. Uh, Indeed. Who isn't given nearly enough we, to do. Are we right in saying he's probably the last one? Yes. Yeah, okay. So Dominic Monaghan. Uh, everyone yeah. else is either inoffensive or bad. As far as, <laughs> as far as former Lord of the Rings stars go, X-Men Origins does get a blinder. Dominic Monaghan has charisma in everything that he does. He's one yeah. of the best things in Lost, and when they killed him off, I almost stopped watching. I haven't seen that one. I'm on a okay. it, does, it won't make you want to spoil anything. No, it won't make sense yeah. to you anyway. Um, he, he's very, very good. I, I love Dominic Monaghan in, in everything yeah. that he does, that I've seen at least. Um, and he's very good in this as well. One of the best episodes of Chuck um, right. was, was the one that he was a special guest star. And when you compare that <laughs> to, to David Wenham, you know... Yeah. They're, they're, both, they're both good in Lord of the Rings. I'd say Monaghan's better than Wenham, but Wenham's fine. Yeah, but, but Wenham wasn't a hobbit, was he? Wenham no, wasn't no, in all yeah, three yeah, films to play yeah. with. Um, but then, yeah, Monaghan in this, miles better than Wenham and Van Helsing. Very much yeah. so. Okay, things we don't like. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Mm. Hugh Jackman takes the blame for this film because he's listed as an executive producer, he's played the part three times before, he's rich so he can afford to buy and read the comics. Yep. <laughs> he can't even complain that he's got a job to go to so never go around to reading it. This is your job, mate. And he still allows all that pansy crap to be, yep. you know... As- Oh, tell me more about your moon story and the Wolverine looking up and Chachi Pichu looking up at the moon. Tell me more, Silver. No, no. <laughs> go on the balcony after sex, smoke a cigar and go to sleep. That's Wolverine. Yeah. Completely agree with you. 
He's, he's also he's one of the few people involved in Wolverine who was also involved in X Men One. You know, is yeah. There's him, Lauren Shula Donner, um, Stan Lee apparently no. <laughs> signing checks from afar. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, th- th- there's a lot of the behind the scenes crew had changed from two into three, and then from three into Origins. Yeah. Hugh Jackman's been there all along, so by mm-hmm. this point, absolutely. And X-Men 1, if, if Wolverine had been this pansy crybaby, I'd have been angry at a lot of people, but probably not the actor who played him. No, indeed. But you're right, but, but this he, time he's it's, got it's enough his heft. Job. It's, it's, it's his baby. In the same way that you can blame Bruce Willis for Die Hard 4 not being very good. And 5. Because, of, well, I, have, well, I haven't seen 5, but I'll, you know... Take yeah, my word for it. Your yeah. word is law, <laughs> as far as those films are concerned. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he took um, Len Wiseman off to one side every once in a while and said, do this, do that, yeah. do the other, and and Hugh Jackman should have done the same. Not yeah. with Gavin Hood, because like like we said before, you know, studio interference. But yeah. he should have got the studio bosses and said, "Hang on, yeah, nah, <laughs> you know, go back, cash, write your checks, yeah. you know, and let us make the film." The, the things that, that that really bugs me about the way Wolverine's handled in this film is that the something we often talk about is. The, this sort of Captain America Wolverine, this sort of goody two shoes Wolverine. Mm-hmm. He's maybe not the Captain America one in this one. He's the whiny crybaby in this one. Yes, he's, he is. He's the, he's the Captain America in X Men Three, but in both of them, it's a departure from the badass. If if Zac Efron had been Wolverine in this film, yeah, <laughs> it would have fit a lot more <laughs> than if it was yeah than uh, than Hugh Jackman, that guy what played the proper one. Uh, yeah, and and this is it. Is it's it's kind of jarring in X Men Three when Wolverine's personality changes, but when it happens in this one. X-Men 3 has already happened by this point. So surely if you're making X-Men Origins Wolverine, even if you're a cynical, heartless studio bod who just wants money, surely you you would look at it and go, well, the people who pay us this money seem to talk a lot more about that one where he goes mental in the mansion in his vest mm-hmm. than they talk about that one where he's all gung ho. You see, that's the problem. So, is they, they don't read words. They look at numbers. So, yeah. It's and, a, and Last Stand made, made a lot more of than X2. Yeah, yeah they, they don't care about the script. They don't care about the yeah. characterisation. It's like, has this film made money? It has. Give them more money for a sequel. If yeah. it hasn't, don't. You know. So that's the problem, is that yeah. no one in charge is saying... Um, what did the fans like? They say, what does this imaginary target audience that I am yeah. you know, balancing my checkbook on, what do they say? Yeah. Um, and, and they very they don't go out and, and ask people. They don't go no. out and actually look at the evidence. They just make it up in their head. What do I think the, the target audience would like? And that's the problem with it. But I think they should always, all these studio people, they should always look not at the film that made money, but at the one before the one that made money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, again, Spider-Man movies. The one that made the most money was Spider-Man Three, but it's the worst one because the Spider-Man made money was so money was Spider-Man Two was good. So, for success, what happens is you ape Spider-Man Three because it's mm-hmm. uh, it's the one that made all the money. But what you should really do is say, well, that made money because people wanted to see it. People wanted to see it because of the one that preceded it. So yeah. let's look at the one that preceded it and copy that. But it doesn't happen. Or or yeah. or just. Find a writer and a director who've got good work on their CVs. Yeah. Give them money and then back away for twelve months. Yeah, um, that's yeah. not going to happen. Though, is no, it? it's never going to happen. But uh, so yeah, I, I would agree. Hugh Jackman um, is to blame as a as producer. For, yes, as a producer, as an actor. Um, again, I, st- I still think that there's one. Though this is, I'm going to reference Spider Man again. I think I'm going to give him the Tobey Maguire defence. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, obviously, he's to blame for the version of Wolverine that, that was presented in the script for this film, or at least to, to, to blame for allowing it. Mm-hmm. But once that's said and done, 
I think he brought to life the version in the script quite well. I think I, I believe the performance throughout it. You know, I didn't think there was bad acting. No, 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 certainly not. Point. Um, so yeah, the performance was fine. It's just the character had by this point had changed a lot from the character I signed up to see. Yeah. Um, so I'm not happy with. But Tobey um, Maguire defense is, is not a thing that should exist. <laughs> it shouldn't sea, need to see <laughs> biscuit when yeah. you're out acted by a stunt horse. Yeah. Well, by a by a plethora of stunt horses. Anyway, fair enough. Uh, just for for anyone that's not, uh, I don't know if we brought it up on the podcast before. I think we have once or twice, but just to clarify, the Tobey Maguire defense is that in the Spider-Man movies, Tobey Maguire's not um, w- the way we feel, and it is that he's he's a horrible Peter Parker in the sense that the script wrote Peter Parker wrong, and Tobey Maguire played the stri- script quite well. Um, so it's not the case that he plays the part poorly, it's just the part he's playing isn't Peter Parker, if you've ever read a Spider-Man comic or watched the proper cartoon or anything like that. The proper cartoon, he said condescendingly. The guy that plays Scott Summers is called Tim Pocock. Brilliant. Scott Summers, ah, you've brought me kicking and screaming into the next thing. Hang on, hang on. What? Pocock. Pocock. That's a great name. It is a great name. He needs to be in more things. (laughs) Yes, not more Wolverine films, though. Why is Scott Summers in this film? Why is Charles Xavier in this film? I can can see why Professor X is in it. I can't. Because he saves the mutants at the end. No, I can see what function he has to the script. But but what what, what other character could you include to whisk the mutants away at the end? You don't need to whisk anyone away at the end. You do, they need to have their resolution. Gambit! Gambit's not a responsible adult. He doesn't need to be a responsible yes, he adult. He's got a plane. Yeah, he there. takes them back to he Vegas and they all become prostitutes. Fine. That's not a good... No, it's I not fine. You, it's... We, the rest of the audience do. Well, the... I'm not with you on this I one, I would no, still I argue think... then we shouldn't have written the kids into the script. <laughs> we well, that's could, fair enough. We could I, have resolved Wolverine's... I would agree with that. My point but is... But if you do have kids, this... then Professor X is a logical sh- choice to save them once Wolverine's freed them all. Shoehorning in... Characters from the other again three movies into the franchise, we then get a spin-off movie featuring one of the X Men in his all new adventure with a bunch of the other X Men. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not like he's going for a beer with and Scott Summers, though, is it? Especially given that even the bits before the other X Men turn up, where it's Wolverine's own movie, he's still on a team with a bunch of. It's still an ensemble movie. We we haven't had it. Well, you've seen the Wolverine. I haven't yet. So uh-huh. maybe that's the Wolverine standalone movie that we wanted. But I haven't had. It's not the one we wanted, movie. but it's, it's closer to the one we wanted. I've just seen him as members of different teams so far. Okay. You know. Now here's a question: If Scott Summers is being kidnapped uh-huh. by Striker and Sabretooth, why mm-hmm. isn't Havoc from First Class going out yeah. there to save him? Because he's already an X Man, isn't he? Yes, he he's is. like Professor X. My brother's been captured. Yeah. Oh, well, we can't go in. Yeah, we can. I've got this suit that you built me. Remember in the 60s? Yeah. Boff. Done. Saved. Also, why at no point in Wolverine, not in Wolverine, in X-Men, does Cyclops go, hey, those claws remind me of that guy that busted me out of that mutant jail. Because he had a blindfold on. And none of the other kids described the person who was saving them to him. No, because they were all traumatised. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. Wisen up. Look it up. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. Cyclops being anywhere near Wolverine at any point in this film is ridiculous. I'm not having it. Plus, again, Cyclops is the least interesting X-Man. Nobody that, likes that's Cyclops. That's why. Maybe in some of the deleted scenes for X-Men 1, he was saying, Professor X, I, I remember this guy, I've, I've seen him before. Yeah. Professor X, I know he is. Professor Charles, <laughs> Chuck. Just, Chuck, I'm, I'm talking Chuck. He, he actually mo- monologued no, the audience I know him. for ten minutes. I know he is. Yeah. I know his whole origin, so to speak. And no one listened. Nobody took him on, yeah. Maybe. Even his girlfriend can't stand him. No. Even Jean Grey's only boning him because there's no one better. It's that or a blue hairy acrobat, you know. Yeah. It's... 
Slim Pickens in the in, Xavier in, Mansion. In Xavier, that's very true. Unless you're Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question, right? Okay. Going widely, widely off topic and onto <laughs> X-Men for the last stand, have, yeah. right? Okay. Raven. That's my slave name. Sorry, didn't you grow up a privileged child in the Xavier household? (laughs) Weren't you rescued at age seven from street poverty? Slave name, you pretentious cow. I reckon everyone... I've seen Django Unchained. Those black people suffered. Yeah. She never suffered, no. Uh, No, I think everyone involved with the X-Men prequels, I just think they're really big Star Wars fans and they want people like you and me to like George (laughs) Lucas. (laughs) So they're like... This no. is a massive postmodern. This it's, it's really this hard to make George. a prequel line up with the, the, the <laughs> um, because yeah, first class as good as it is, it's also really annoying in the sense that uh, n- nothing or very few things match up with X Men One. Uh huh. When all they needed to do was watch X Men One while I'm, they were writing it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's even worse here, I think, than it is in uh, in first class. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would agree. Yeah. One other thing that really bugs me about uh, uh, Origins is the fact that even though it is the fourth in the series and they've got the resources, at least, of the previous X-Men films and they've learned how to do the special effects, it seems a lot more cheaply made when it comes to a lot of the CGI. Now, whether that's because of the the speed with which it was released or or the... A team they'd assembled, I don't know. But if you can have very, very good special effects in X-Men's 1, 2 and, you know, 3, which yeah. doesn't suffer from bad special effects. No, no, no. Why would you then have such a drop in quality on on Origins? Yeah, the, the claws in particular are very cartoonish. In scenes when they could very easily be done practically. The, when he's... The bathroom mirror. Uh-huh. When he's looking at them in the bathroom mirror, fair enough, at the beginning of the scene, they're not out. So exactly, but then you cut to the next shot and cut yeah. I mean, he's not fighting anyone, he's not running around, he's not doing anything where the he's practical claws ha- might get broken. Hacking up a porcelain basin, yeah. but apart from that, you know. But they could very easily have been, you know, just wear the practical ones. Yeah. Um, and it seems bizarre. I tell you, while we're on the claws, it's not so much a CG problem, but it is a special effect problem, or an effects problem, a visuals problem. Can I just point out how much I love the bone claws, by the way, the design of them? Oh, you... you, <laughs> no, you I, edited I, me off I, the past. I, I kid, I kid. Yeah. Yeah, the the bone claws as a concept. Pe- some people love them. Some people hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, the the they were revealed in the comics when Magneto stripped all the metal off him, and we thought, oh no, now he won't have claws. And then it turns out, oh, he has bone ones. Have been there all along. So they're not a new thing for the film by any stretch of the imagination. They had, uh, it was retconned into Wolverine a good ten years before the film, if not longer, mm-hmm. that he had bone claws. Um, but yeah, when they're bone, they look like fingers that end in a point. They're, they're, the sides are round and they're quite long and thin. They look like Dumbledore's wand. Yeah. Um, and then when they're metal, they look like kitchen knives. Um, the, the two shapes don't... Commit. What is it about the adamantium bonding process that also just like steamrollers them flat? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Uh, they could easily have been long, smooth bones. Um how, do, how did you describe it when we watched it? Like the Velociraptor's claw. Yes. But longer and thinner. Yes. Yeah, that. That's what the bone claws should have looked like. And then when they come out looking like the way we know them from the first three films, coated in adamantium, fine. Yes. Brilliant. So that's not even... We talked earlier about the prequel not matching up with the existing films. Mm-hmm. The prequel doesn't even match up with itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sense of yeah. internal logic needs to stay uh, needs to stay Absolutely. for a film to, to... You know, just to avoid these yeah. sort of logic holes that make you think too much about it afterwards. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and also, how quickly do they grow back when uh, Victor breaks them, when they have the fight 
in the Canada bar. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, you see him heal at varying speeds at different times. Again, there's yeah. no consistency. Creed snaps them off, and then they don't start growing back in that shot. Yeah. Even though the shot's about 15 seconds long, his other wounds heal that quickly. Yeah. I'm not saying they need to grow back completely, but you'd see you start see to a grow change. back. Yeah, if you can't be, you know... If you can't do that properly, don't yeah. have him snap them off in and the first place. Again, it's not in this film, but when you look at when at the end of Last Stand, when Gene's like melting him mm-hmm. and it's stripping away to his rib cage, and yeah. they heal him pretty much in front of your eyes. Absolutely, it's very very fast. He was on a lot of drugs at that point. That's though. Very I mean, true. you know, um, and the, the, the crystal meth does that too. An, old, an older Wolverine, I suppose, is, of course. Um, who's been frozen in the ice for many years and then thawed out to become <laughs> the, the leader of the Avengers. Um, <laughs> So yes, anyway. there's, there's that a lot of a lot of logic holes there. Yeah, um, which is really annoying. Uh, the, the action is varies from pretty cool mm-hmm. to forgettable. Uh, we were making light of the uh, the, the, the the big helicopter the chase helicopter chase gun sequence. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's about ten minutes in the middle of Wolverine when he escapes from the, the Weapon X facility. And he goes and, and stays with Kent. Yeah, he goes and stays with Ma and Pa Kent, and he gets his jacket. Very important, where he gets a jacket from. Um, They're trying to do Indy's hat there, aren't they? Very much so. Damn them. And do, do, to be honest, the jacket would have been a lot cooler if they hadn't shoehorned in the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is our dead son's jacket. Means uh, a lot to us. Yeah. Have it, strange hobo. Yeah. <laughs> strange naked man. Um... Was he just playing the naked man on Ma Kent? Was that... Was Maybe that he was. Is that one of the Barney's plays? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but in any case, yeah, and then there's a sequence where Agent Zero turns up, blows away Ma and Pa Kent, and then mm. chases Wolverine in a helicopter, and there's jeeps chasing him, and he escapes on a motorcycle getting away from an explosion. It was all over the trailers. It was really the the big set piece of the film. We watched the film this afternoon. Benji rolled a cigarette, and I watched him rolling a cigarette mm-hmm. while that was happening. That's how exciting that set piece is. I was thrilled. It's Yeah, it, it was just so easy. It's not that it's offensively bad um, but it's just it was so easy to get distracted and get bored it wasn't when you think of like the the chase in Terminator 2 through the the flood slipway things mm-hmm. you know you can't take your eyes off the screen you'd only get in the truck and ready to start absolutely the essential. Read, yeah um, the pod race from but like e- even sticking with this franchise Wolverine versus all the soldiers in X-Men 2 yeah really exciting you mm-hmm. know and this just, and again, but when he fights Sabretooth at both the beginning and end of the film, that's pretty cool. It's not as long a sequence. No, but it, neither you're of into it long, more. But you're into it more, absolutely. Uh, the three-way fight with not Deadpool at the end, despite my misgivings about the character. It's still a pretty good fight. It's a pretty yeah. cool fight watching the two Except of them. Except when the, they go, back to back. Yeah. And you're reminded of that scene at the beginning. The montage, and you think, yeah. how, how long has there been since the <laughs> setup and the payoff? Yeah. Set up in the opening credits, pay off right before the end. Well, it's it set up in World War Two. It doesn't pay off until <laughs> yeah. 1979. But it's, it's not like if they'd done that <laughs> off the cuff, you wouldn't immediately think, well, they, they're brothers, they've known each other. You didn't yeah. need it setting up in the first place. No, exactly. Um, they fight well so, together. So, yeah, the, the, a lot of the set pieces are really good, and a lot of them are crap. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. Um, the, the, the fight in the middle with Gambit is... He starts off fighting Sabretooth after he's killed Well I Am and we've all cheered. It, but it's almost then, like he's not aware Gambit's there. Yeah. It's like he's chasing Sabretooth and Gambit keeps popping up. Stop trying to catch me, man. Well, I'm not. I'm not, yeah. Yeah, the guy you, that you, you hate, be- that you're scared of, he's over there. Look, just turn yeah. your head slightly in that direction. Just, yeah. no, please, stop hitting me. Look at him. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, stupid. Though I do quite like the other kids, he's fine. 
Yeah, Taylor Kitsch fit in. Again, the problems with Gambit are the problem, same as the problems with Deadpool, I think. It's mm-hmm. what the script chose to do with him rather than the, the, the actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very much so. Um, which brings me to Deadpool. Mm. Or not Deadpool. I'll just, I'll just go quiet for about five minutes. <laughs> you, you carry on. Sorry, I've kind of dominated this half, but uh, this, this is my rage um, arena. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go quiet. I'm, I'm lost for words. It's ridiculous. The, I mentioned earlier Deadpool's nickname uh, as, as Daredevil is the man without fear and as Superman is the man of tomorrow or the man of steel or anything like that. Deadpool is the merc with a mouth. Um, and what the the script writers, uh, Mr. Game of Thrones and Skip Woods, geniuses that they are, uh, what they've done with that is they've said, do you know what would be really funny? Do you know what would be really good? And if he didn't actually have a mouth, if we like literally just made that not the case. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, no, it wouldn't, guys. It's awful. Um, it's set up right at the start when... Um, Stryker has that line that uh, Wade, if you didn't have that mouth on you, you'd be the perfect soldier. And mm-hmm. Stryker feeling that way, I'm fine with. And um, again, he's a perfect soldier. He's beaten by two hobos, so he, uh, yeah. he's not right. But yeah. I, I, I agree. I see that the fact that you've got basically Ryan Reynolds doing a mm-hmm. brilliant sort of comedy action anti-hero at the beginning, and then you strip away everything that made it worth seeing him. Then yeah, you take away his dialogue, you take away his face, you take away you know, and he mm-hmm. becomes just you know rent a villain at the end. Absolutely, and it's, it's you don't cast Ryan Reynolds. I know we thought that he can do the physical stuff, mm-hmm. but you don't cast him for that. You cast him for the comedy chops. You cast him because he brings the funny. He can wisecrack, and he, you know, he's got the delivery, the dead. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, again, you could you could cast if you, if you're going to Darth Maul it, mm-hmm. cast Ray Park. No disrespect to Ray Park as an actor, but cast something like cast a stuntman. Yeah, and just get him to be purely physical. Yeah, and call him something else because it's clearly not Deadpool. I also don't like the origin of the name Deadpool. That it's some kind of pool of skills that will kill yeah. mutants. That's that's not what Deadpool means. It's no. ridiculous. Um, and then the fact that he has all these skills, he has the healing ability, he has the laser eyes, he has the yeah. adamantium blades, and he still loses? Nah. Yeah. Nah. That's Sorry. Plus he has the skills that we see Ryan Reynolds have at the beginning. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Don't don't make the super bad guy and then shoehorn in a way to defeat him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it would have worked by using Deadpool as a weapon at the end with just... the, the they've, they put Wolverine's healing factor into him, which is what happens to him in the comics. Mm-hmm. Okay, he gets the healing factor from Wolverine. It's multiplied exponentially. Deadpool can, if if you chop his arm off and then hold the arm up to the wound, it will grow back. Rather, with Wolverine, he would grow a new arm. Right. Or well, you wouldn't be able to chop it off because he had adamantium. I know what you mean. You know, yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's stronger than Wolverine's. It's faster acting. But yeah, that's basically all he has in the comics that 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 he has in the film yeah. the, the Wolverine healing factor there's the, there's the, there's the bit isn't there where, they, where he shoots the lasers into Wolverine's claws and yeah. locks them with his claws yeah his claws have big gaps in them he'd still yeah. get shot to death by eye Absolutely. laser it's, it's ridiculous it's horrible um, and yeah and you didn't need to do it it's, again it's like they said well if the character comes from being able to put one mutant's powers into another why wouldn't you just put loads in and this is why it's confusing he's unstoppable mm-hmm. Um, and it's yet the, somehow stoppable. It's, it's the kind of character a bullied twelve-year-old would invent. <laughs> yeah, as a, as a you know a slightly changed version of himself. What powers would you have? Well, he could be invisible, and he can fly, and he can shoot lasers, and he can go <laughs> supersonic speeds, and he can morph into other people. That's who he is. He's the best, and no one can beat him. It, it's like they were trying to sell the toy that they never. Made. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and he's got swords in his arms. <laughs> yeah, and the swords. Oh. 
A, he can't bend his elbows, right? He pops his swords out that are clearly the length of his arms, so mm-hmm. when they're retracted, how is he bending his elbows? Well, because they're not actually adamantium, they're rubber. They didn't oh, I explain see. that very well in the film. No, yeah. They're just um, a sort of silvery kind of rubber. And he's B... Not, he's not sword fighting, he's slapping them. It's, it's cool when Wolverine has the claws coming out of his hands, mm-hmm. right? They're a reasonable length, he's got six of them, you know, yeah. he, he can do things with them. You can fight in a certain way with that, right? Okay. And with swords, you can fight in a, a certain other way, you know. Yeah. The, by having them come out of his arms like Wolverine, mm-hmm. you lose all the manoeuvrability of being able to piv- pivot your wrist and twist your wrist. And all the stuff Ryan Reynolds does at the start, Deadpool at the end couldn't do. Well, you could do when, it when once it's extended. No, but he, the, the, the twirling thing. You, you, you're, you're you'd kill yourself go, a lot, yeah. yeah, wouldn't you, yeah. It, okay. so, so when he's blocking all the bullets at the start, Deadpool at the end can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's stupid, and for the sake of a gimmick, for the sake of making him Wolverine 2.0, mm-hmm. they've actually rendered the character, until he pops out all the other powers, they've rendered him less threatening than he was at the start. Yeah. And then, okay, they make up for it with the teleporting and the well, I mean, laser did, eyes and stuff, but that's stupid. Did you see what they were going to do originally, before they were in the swords? <laughs> the, first was going to be a battle axe... Um, that was too big. <laughs> then they had a flail, but he's hitting himself. Yeah. Uh, they had a couple of sharks in there, but you know, they just starved to death. <laughs> My arm is a shark. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a machine gun came out, but that was too much yeah. like Transformers. It was yeah, it was, it was swords crazy. was the was the least was of the, the, of the silly options. Yeah, I just have them strapped to his back. Two more Wolverines at one point. Yeah, <laughs> each with claws. So that's like that's twelve. Sh- surely claws. a Wolverine on one hand and a saber tooth on the other. Isn't it? <laughs> You know, if, if he'd had that, he would have won the fight. Well, but he, he, done, he, he didn't factor saber tooth in. That's why. Yeah. There was one point when he was actually firing mini wolverines. Yeah, like unlimited <laughs> mini wolverines, like Army of Darkness, like, like little Van Helsing vampire babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's awful. And again, like Van Helsing, that r- ruins the. The, the physical climax of the film. I don't ruin it. The, the fight is pretty cool. The fight, it ruins, it ruins the, yeah, the narrative climax. It ruins yeah. sort of the logical climax. When you get a villain who's so powerful, you're like, oh, for God's sake. It's yeah. like um, Priest. I was watching Priest recently, uh, and Carl Urban plays the bad guy, and he's just super-powered. Paul yeah. Bettany can't get a touch in. He can't, he can't hurt him at all. Paul Bettany, this legendary warrior, yeah. and he can't cause a scratch on the bad guy. And then how do you defeat him? You blow up the train he stood on. Well, that's ridiculous. No, I'm not interested. So no. Jar- Jarvis defeats Judge Dredd through trickery. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's, that's all I had to... <laughs> okay. But yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it's silly. It is silly. very, it's, very it's, silly. It's juvenile storytelling. Yes, very much so. Um... What else is there to rag? There's a lot, but I'm sure I can't. Blob. Oh. Blob is silly. Right, yeah, the, the rest of Team X. This is ridiculous. You introduce Deadpool, who's pretty interesting and very funny. Mm-hmm. You introduce Bolt, who's Dominic Monaghan, mm-hmm. who's very interesting. I don't know what's going on with that power, but I want to learn more about it. Wraith, who needs his own film. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, and this is it, yeah, you, you introduce those two. And you write them out after ten minutes, never to be seen from again in the case of one, and wish you'd never seen them again in the case of the other. Yeah. And then you um, get and focus I on Will I Am and Kevin Durand in a fat suit. Because that's what you wanted. When you watched that prologue to Wolverine, yeah. you thought, do you know which two characters I want to see more of? The stupid boy with a tattoo and the boy at now, Black Eyed Peas. That's what I want to see. He's Russell Crowe's mate, and I don't want to get a phone thrown at me, but I, <laughs> he annoys me in everything that he's in. Kevin Durant. He annoys me as Little John. He annoys me in Lost. He, really, he really annoys me as Blob. He's yeah. got this silent kind of like lazy lip drawl. It's like he hasn't yeah. got muscle definition in his lips. <laughs> he just kind of talks like this and mumbles at the camera. Yeah. Did you call me Blob? 
It's amplified by the fat suit, isn't it? He's yeah. much more annoying in the middle of the film than he is at the start. Yeah. I think. yeah. But it's like when there's, there's a film, I forget what it is, but someone shoots himself in the face with a tranquilizer gun and their lips go blue. It's it's like old that. school, well fed Old school, yeah. that's it, yeah. yeah. It's like that. But that's <laughs> oh, life. You, but you are crazy. Yeah, Kevin Durand is like that for life. Uh huh. That's, that's horrible. Um, and yeah, Blob. So, we get in the, we get that cool bit where he punches the tank. And the shell comes down and explodes in his fist, and randomly the explosion's in the belly of the tank rather than the mm-hmm. barrel. But setting that aside, it's a pretty neat gimmick um, for a superhero movie. You know, a super strong guy stopping the tank from shooting them. Yeah, yeah. I'm down with that. Uh, but that establishes, I mean, he pulls his hand out and it's clearly undamaged. Uh-huh. So, great. He's, he's, he's like Luke Cage. He's got unbreakable skin. He's super strong and, and, yeah, fine, fantastic. But five minutes earlier, on the jet, he showed us his new tattoo. Well, you know, they did that, don't you? What? Adamantium tattoo needle. Adamantium tattoo needle, of course. The adamantium bullet of the uh, ink world. Absolutely. I did not think of that. Um, Yeah, no, he's ridiculous. Uh, A blob's fairly ridiculous character in the comics anyway, rendered no less so by his big screen treatment. Yeah. It's Um, quite a well-directed movie. The The editing isn't terrible. The special effects should be better. Mm-hmm. The acting is, for the most part, passable. Yeah. I think we're, what we're boiling it down to here is that it's one of the stupidest scripts ever written. Yeah. And whereas Van Helsing has a stupid amount of dialogue and a stupid story, um, Origins, Wolverine Origins, is, is torn down by an inconsistency of logic from yeah. page to page. It feels like they were making it up as they went along. Absolutely. But, but forgetting what they'd done the previous day. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we're going to have to shoot him with adamantium bullets. Well, how's that? Is that going to kill him? Yeah, it'll kill him. It'll be fine. That's what we need. As if somehow throwing a rock at a big rock wall will get through the rock wall. That's not yeah. how it works. That's not how physics works, for God's sake. You're right. You know, mutants is not how biology works, admittedly. Yeah. But still, still, adamantium bullets. No, there's no and then he goes, oh, well, yeah, it's not going to kill him, but it will wipe his memories. How do you know? Yeah. Who did you do that to? Which adamantium skull did you test your adamantium ooh, bullet on ooh, for that? Maybe, maybe Deadpool, actually. Does, does Deadpool have adamantium, are we sure? I don't know, do I? It's never said. You'd assume he did, because that's why they, they tested it on Wolverine and it worked. That's why they wanted Wolverine for Deadpool. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing Deadpool doesn't remember being Wade, otherwise he wouldn't listen to Striker. Maybe that's how they did it then. So, I don't care, no. So if we can have a, no, a, no, a director's no cut where... We're, we not, we're not letting this film off the hook. It'll take his memory away. How do you know? <laughs> well, I shot Deadpool, remember? And he's still alive, but can't remember anything. All right, yeah. okay. Um, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Adamantium bullets is awful. And yeah, there, there's a few bits like that where somebody says something and then, not immediately, but three, four scenes later, somebody says something else that contradicts yeah. it. There's Stupid a of things script like writing. That, and, yeah. and when you're being paid that much and that much money and time is going into it and you're expecting so many people to put their seven quid in to go and see it, yeah. you, you need to treat them with a bit more intelligence. Absolutely. And as, as many other film critics have said, if, if Chris Nolan can do it with Inception and, and Prestige yeah. and the Batman films, there is no excuse for others not to be doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Prometheus. <laughs> okay. So there we have it then. So there we have it. Will we do the bests? Um, yes. yes. Or worsts. Worsts. Yeah, but what we're going to do instead of our best character, our best line and so on, yeah. is we're going to do our least favourite in keeping with the theme that these are our least favourite films. My least favourite character then in, um, in Van Helsing is uh, uh, Mr Hyde. Yeah. Because there is nothing in the novel 
yeah. nor in most of the adaptations that suggest he's a big hairy monster, except League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which they've clearly ripped off, which is a terrible film anyway. The mm-hmm. comic's amazing, but the film is terrible. Um, Mr. Hyde looks exactly like Dr. Jekyll. Otherwise, he would not be able to do anything he does in the, in the book. He'd just get shot by the police immediately. Mm-hmm. He's stupid. Yes, and a, he's a rip-off of a terrible idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't beat that. I'm, I'll, I'll go with that. Um, no, actually, I won't. I'm going to go with David Wenham. Okay, good. I'm um, glad. I'm glad one of us yeah, um, He's... I, I wouldn't remove him from the film outright, but I'd have liked to keep him to what he thought he was. You mentioned you thought he was uh, Q and a sexy... You know, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd have done that. I'd have have him tooling up Van Helsing and giving him the mission at the start. Right. And that's it. Maybe appearing in a capping bit at the end if there was something really funny or interesting that you could do in the script with it, but not a necessity. Mm-hmm. But he didn't need to be tagging along for the entire film. Can you get hold of Van Helsing? I'm sorry, sir. He's attempting re-entry. Yeah. Something along those lines. Something along those lines. So yeah, I'll go with even Okay, least favourite line in Van Helsing? Um, well, my, my most favourite line, the, the line which I find most apt in Van Helsing, is okay. the line, some things are best left unremembered. Which is how I feel about the film. Yeah. Thanks, huge. Um, my least favourite or most favourite line, I think it's going to have to be anything Roxborough says. Oh, yeah. Honest, just he's so over the top of the accent. Gabriel! It's, yeah. yeah. I also like, um, he's the first person to kill a vampire in over a hundred years, followed almost immediately by the line, what makes you think you can kill Dracula? Uh, hello? Yeah. Most successful vampire in a hundred years? Uh. Certainly more qualified than you love. That's, that's what the last yeah. line I would have written. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Okay. Um, I've had him stick his tongue in his bottom lip like at high school. <laughs> going, nah, nah, nah. Chitty reckon. At Belming, I believe that's called. Uh, Belming, right, that's what I would have done. I don't know if that's a technical term, but that's what I heard it called. Okay. Um, what was it, What were the other least seen? The entire thing? <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a scene that stands out particularly bad. It's all bad. One of my favourite moments, in fact, the only, the only four-second stretch that I like is, is when they're having the dance and it pans around to the mirror and it's just her. Yeah. That's quite inventive. It's not handled especially well, but I like the idea behind it. What I liked it was it was a double thing because you kind of you almost you saw the mirror and you saw that there was no reflection of him and you thought yeah of course because he's a vampire then and then you have the same where you realise none of the other dancers are reflected yeah and you go this is either a colossal muck up which in fairness it could <laughs> could easily have been very much so or they're all vampires uh-huh. and it's a lot scarier than you think and and yeah that's what it was um, I would say my I've I've got two least favourites I've got two that stick out so that'll make up for you not having. Go ahead. Uh, one is the first attack of the three brides in a little time. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's awful. Where, where they're so desperate to kill Kate Beckinsale that they will continually pick her up and just fly around in circles with her, mm-hmm. giving her or Hugh Jackman or David Wenham a chance to spring her. It happens about four times. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And they're out in the middle of the day, but, oh, no! It's behind the clouds. Hun- now, I'm a man uh, with very little hair on top of my head, and I can tell you that you get sunburned through the bleeding clouds, okay? It happens. There's no way a vampire could be out there and use clouds as an excuse. Unless they're clouds made of lead. Yeah. Lead clouds, maybe. And of course, unless they're a twilight vampire and they're really? just sparkling, that's fine. Okay. Um, but So that's one of them. And the other one is, as we've mentioned anyway, the, the fight between Van Helsing or... Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, the fight between not Hugh Jackman and not Richard Roxborough. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Wolverine. Wolverine. My least favourite character is young Wolverine. Little baby boy Little Wolverine. Baby. John Logan. Or James Howlett. No, James Logan. 
Mm-hmm. Whatever he's called. Yeah. Red dressing gown. Bone yes. Pods. Yes. Fair enough. Tell me for why. Because he's a little bitch. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And, and to be honest, grows up to be a big one. I don't D- like... Doesn't become a badass I until some like point seeing, before X-Men 1. Yeah, I don't yeah. like seeing Wolverine's origin, and he is the embodiment of that. Fair so enough. I don't, and he's not a very good actor. I don't like him. Yeah. Um, my least favourite character in Origins is the artist formerly known as Deadpool. Okay. Um, I'm going with that. I, th- I, th- I think I've made that clear. Uh, line? I'm going to let you go first. Okay, my least favourite line in X-Men Origins Wolverine should have been my favourite line. All right. It is the with great power comes great responsibility of the Wolverine, and in fact of the X-Men universe, I'm going to say. Wolverine's signature sign-off. Or not sign-off, but it's, it's catchphrase. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do best isn't very nice. And he says it in a really chitty-chatty, off-handed way with his girlfriend in the car. Mm-hmm. Admittedly about Stryker, she, she, she says, why has he come back to her all these years? Because I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. He practically winks at her. But it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a little bit like saying, you know, why, uh, why, why, why does that guy want you? I murder a lot of people. I didn't tell you about that, about me, did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a dead bad murderer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my, my least favourite line um, was going to... I, I thought you were going to go with her describing the story about the moon. Oh, cuckoo-cuckoo. Um, but no. my, my least favourite line is the one where he just starts talking about adamantium bullets, wiping memories. It's, it's, yeah. it's silly. It's pathetic. Bad yeah. script writing. I, I, believe, I believe the actual line is, uh, his brain will heal, but the memories won't. Or his memories won't grow back. That's it. Oh. His brain will heal, heal, but the memories won't grow back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drek. Yeah, Drek. Um, least favourite scene? Um, the, op- the opening. Yeah, the, 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 the actual the youngsters. origins Yeah, stuff. don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it. Um, I, it, it even though I don't like the concept of it, it's too quick anyway. Yeah. It, it's over and done with, like, they shouldn't even have well, bothered. What, what I said when we were watching it was that it's annoying enough I agree that, you know, that they made it, but if they were going to make it, there's a lot of good stuff in the Origins book, even if you don't, agree with them having written the book and having revealed that about Wolverine. You mm-hmm. know, if we say that ship has sailed, it's happened anyway, the genie's out the bottle. There's some really interesting stuff in there. It, the book takes a long time to reveal that the mother's been having an affair and the father might not be Wolverine's father. Uh-huh. Um, and there's all this stuff about his older brother who died when he was young and it, it's very heavily implied that the parents did away with him because he was a mutant. And we see scenes of the mother getting dressed and she's got claws, claw marks all up her back and stuff. And then when Wolverine pops the bone claws, she goes, oh God, not you too and stuff. And you go, all right, okay, there's deep-seated trauma here. Uh-huh. And it's all glossed over in an instant. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, the Weapon X stuff where he actually gets the adamantium bonded and then breaks out, that's all glossed over in an instant as well. And see, if you're doing a prequel about Wolverine, you're either doing one of those films or the other. In this case, they decided to do both in about 10 minutes each, mm-hmm. and then just throw in all this filler stuff, Las Vegas and Gambit and yeah, boxing the blob, and, and yeah, uh, the two actual bits of Wolverine's origin that audience members might have been expecting. Admittedly, they're both included, but they're blinking you miss them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you. My least favourite scene, I'll, I'll go for the other half of that coin then, is the Weapon X stuff. Not because it's particularly poor... Uh, but because it's so little, because yeah. it sh- the whole film should have been about Weapon X. It should have been either. the best yeah. bit, and it was instead just um, comically brief. And although uh, I do have to admit, actually, there is... Uh, it's because there's not enough of Hugh Jackman's ass, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. They finally got him naked. Um, <laughs> then it's no, um, he doesn't kill anyone. At least not on screen. The whole thing, Wolverine's haunted by so many things. 
Um, but particularly Weapon X and what he did, because that's his, his first memory. His memories start mm-hmm. breaking out of Weapon X. Um, and, he, you know, he wakes up being poked and prodded by scientists. His entire body's in pain from the adamantium. And he bursts out, slaughters everyone, lives feral for a few years, and then slowly integrates himself back into society. Mm-hmm. And he's haunted by this. And in the film, he wakes up, gets shot by Agent Zero, nips outside, and has a cup of tea with Ma and Pa Kent. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Um, so so you've taken this huge fundamental part, and, and X Men One and Two did such a good job of leaving the breadcrumbs, you know, all the flashbacks. And mm-hmm. then when he has the fight with Deathstrike in X Men Two, and you can see the claw marks all over the room from where he broke out. Yeah. None of that happens in yeah. this. It's so annoying. Um, and also get uh, complaining on the vein of complaining about a low body count from Wolverine. Something Gambit says to him right at the end when he. Uh, destroys the entire Three Mile Island. Mm-hmm. Gambit turns up and says, when you said you were going to kill everyone, I thought you were exaggerating. He was exaggerating. He killed one person, and that was somebody he already thought was dead when he first arrived at Three Mile Island, which was Deadpool. Well, he didn't uh, even kill him, did he? Because he's... Oh, no, because he's revealed to be alive the end, yeah. in the credits, yeah. So he, he killed nobody, but he thinks he's killed one person. He certainly hasn't killed the two people he promised he would kill, which are Stryker and Victor. <laughs> um, so, actually, Gambit, he, wa- he, he wasn't just exaggerating, he was lying to your face. Yep. Um, ridiculous. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> so there we have it. Um, our two least favourite films. In case you noticed. Um, I didn't notice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully you agree. If there's anything we've missed, anything you want to add, please do feel free to email us um, or tweet us now. Yes. Uh, at, at We're on Malcolm the Twitter. Benji. Sorry. You talk a while I'm reading your address. I'm sorry. Read the address. At Malcolm Benji. That's an A-N-D in the middle, not an ampersand. Yeah. Um, and let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, um, let us know what your least favourite films are and why. Yeah. yeah. In 140 characters or less. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could email us or drop us a link on the blog that Go to Twitter and all the all the links are there, um, and uh, and yeah, hopefully we'll be back with the next podcast before too long. Yeah, hopefully it won't be nine months. <laughs> this podcast was like a baby. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like a baby. Um, you know, we've we've watched our two least favorite films today for you. So the least you can do is tell your friends about us. Um, and if you yeah. enjoyed it, you know, listen again next time. Okay, bye bye. Right, thanks. Bye. You see? You see, they are insane!